Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Seven minutes after two. Thank you so much for staying with us. So that was a very interesting conversation. Um, and we are actually going to go on the very same vein of analyzing what life is going to be without alcohol going forward. So, so let me ask you this, you know, to what extent does alcohol impact on your decision to go to a restaurant? And is the experience for you as somebody that maybe enjoys a meal or two at a restaurant, is the experience for you largely about the alcohol that you'll be able to consume there? That's the conversation I want to I wanna have with you. Let's have an honest conversation. How much does the ban of alcohol sales at restaurants impact on your decision to go out to the restaurant? 0117142006 and WhatsApp in 0614104107. So it's a quick, quick dipstick. I mean, I'm just going to ask this. I'm going, I've, I've got it up on Twitter as well. You know, alcohol sales being banned. Are you still going to be going to the restaurant? Uh, does that affect how you feel about restaurants? You know, are you a bit perturbed? Does it change your experience of restaurants? That's the question. Um, so we on the very same vein. And the Beer Association of South Africa has warned that a third alcohol ban for the country as part of its effort to ease the strain of the healthcare system and medical facilities will lead to further job losses and increases illicit sales. Patricia Pele, the CEO of the Beer Association of South Africa, sent us this clip. The Beer Association of South Africa acknowledges the severity of the COVID-19 second wave and with it the immense pressure it places on the healthcare system. Given the surge in infections, BASA understands the need for urgent interventions to stabilize the healthcare system. We do not, however, agree with the blanket alcohol ban announced by the President in his address yesterday evening. The previous alcohol bans have had a devastating impact on the beer industry, with 7,400 jobs lost, 14.2 billion in lost sales revenue and 30% of breweries being forced to shut their doors. In addition, government losing $7.4 billion in taxes and excise that could have been used in the fight against COVID. This third ban will do untold economic damage to the 415,000 livelihoods the sector supports. Government should rather regulate sensibly and ensure that those regulations are adhered to. There's much that the industry and government can do to encourage moderate, responsible consumption and to penalise those who break the rules. Bossa believes that an alcohol ban will do more harm than good. We will therefore continue to engage with government on what needs to be done to save lives and livelihoods as we work together to beat COVID-19. So Sakumzi Makubela is an owner of Sakumzi on Villegazi Street. Many of you are aware of the establishment. And we at some point spoke to him quite early on um, during the lockdown and the difficulties that they were having at the time. So we're back here again. We cannot sell alcohol. Sakumzi, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Kensani Moroka. How are you? I'm fine, Sakumzi. How are you? All right, thanks, Melo. So, 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 how is this going to affect the the business that you're running, the food business that you're running? It has affected us before. It will affect us again because what we've seen with our locals, whether local tourists, domestic or international tourists, mostly when they go out, people want to have a drink or two. 
So liquor, it is a drawing card that normally attracts people to come and eat. Yes, we know at Sakumzi people normally come for our buffet mm. that they like, our local traditional food. Mm. But for them to come and relax and have a chat, normally it's over a glass of wine or beer or cider. Mm. So we are really disturbed that we can't sell alcohol. Is it going to affect your bottom line? To what extent will it affect your bottom line? It will affect our bottom line, but again, we stand to stand with the president. We are in sympathy with health workers because if really alcohol is opened in this state of the, the time of the nation where COVID is growing like this, Really, as a president, I would also take mm. the same stance that we need to shut down a little bit because mm. who are we going to save if we're going to keep on getting people infected? Mm. End of the day, there won't be no nation. Mm. So whether we like it or not, we need to support the government with their initiative. And all these organizations that are around, they should be pushing the government that we need the vaccination of this COVID-19, we need those vaccines. Mm. Let uh, them start supplying them. Sakumzi, so, so what, what will this mean for, for your staff? Will you be able to keep all of them? When sales are less, when there's no alcohol, there mm. are less accidents. When there's no alcohol, many companies also will start closing down. That means we start laying off people if the sales are less, that people are coming. People tend to not to go, want to go out if they are not going to have a drink or so. But this is the time when we need more domestic tourism. This is the time when people must drink a savannah non-alcohol, a henneken non-alcohol. You know, it's a matter of state of the mind that there's no liquor in this, but you can still have your beer. You can still have your sparkling wine that is non-alcohol and with your food. Mm. Will you be marketing your restaurant differently? Will you be doing something different to try and bring those uh, patrons back into the restaurant? We have to. Mm. We have to start being innovative. We need to start being creative or else in the next six months we will shut down the businesses if we keep on being stubborn that we can't sell alcohol so we don't have patrons. This is the time when the nation needs to be innovative. Mm. I so appreciate you talking to us, Sakumzi. Thank you so much and all the best uh, for the future. I mean, we, we are really crossing thumbs for you. Thank you very, very much. Thanks very much, Pumelo. Thank you. Wendy Alberts is the CEO of Restaurant Association of South Africa. Joining us on the line, we've spoken to Wendy before. We are back here again. Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How are you all today? Are we well, Wendy. What does the, the ban on alcohol mean for restaurants in South Africa? Look, it's devastating news for us. I mean, we, we are really, really heartbroken that uh, decision has been taken to yet again put further regulations on our industry. So, Wendy, you know, the argument is that if restaurants are there to serve food, why is it that they're so reliant on alcohol, the sale of alcohol? You know, if we just um, take a step back, and I think it's important to put things into perspective, we sat in level one for a number of months and we should have been well prepared for the holiday season that was upon us. You know, we all know what happens to South Africa and the festivities. We know about the beaches. We know about the influx of tourism. We know about people heading to holiday destinations. And we should have really been prepared. Mm. 
and the parts that, that have been the responsible COVID super spreader um, has led us to yet again burning the brunt of having these restrictions. Mm. And, you know, the, this started from rage and we're still waiting for answers of who's going to take responsibility, who signed off that license for that event. And the exponential spin-off has now put us back into a frail space in our industry. Mm. And we need answers. We need answers as to why there was nothing that was done to be proactive before. On the 11th of December, there was angst, there was fear, there was urgency, there was panic about people's potential holidays being cancelled. We saw a lot of um, restaurants dealing with cancellations, bookings um, being being closed off, people cancelling their holidays, etc. And we should have really managed those open spaces, those uncontrolled spaces, those events, to allow 200, 250 people in a space, crowds, gatherings, and the curfew has actually done more damage to us as an industry, as a country, than what it actually did to help us through the festivities because people didn't finish enjoying themselves within a restaurant and then they left underground parties and they went into lockdown parties till 4 a.m. in the morning. They were in crowds, uncontrolled spaces, areas that were not regulated and this was definitely an area for super spreading. So to, to what extent does the restaurant industry itself take some level of responsibility? Because many people will say that, look, um, some restaurants, you know, there was just little uh, monitoring of wearing of masks, for instance, and, and so on. So what I'm saying is you're absolutely right. All of us should have done our bit in making sure that we don't find ourselves here. What could we have done better? You know, for, for one, we need to take cognizance. You know, if we, if we look at an area like French Hook, mm. we had nothing but beautiful compliments. We look at all the wine farms and the restaurants and the wine farm and the sophistication and in all the little towns throughout on the, the belt down and people that took road trips to Cape Town and the compliments we received from all those restaurants and the, the tight adherence. There are 11,000 establishments and we have a handful of operators that were irresponsible. And I need to talk to the authorities and I need to understand what have the authorities done? Because if there is no ability to manage the regulations that are put in place, people are not going to adhere to it. Mm. And that is what we have seen throughout the holiday season. So we were doing our jobs as restauranteurs. We are not here to get into conflict. And I think you've seen some of the things on social media where we, we have problems with customers and customers attack our owners and the owners get defensive and there's a, a, a type of argument and a, and a mm. bad conversation that takes place. Mm. Because our restaurants are under threat. We have been under threat for nine months. There is, there is no hardship that we have not felt as an operator or even somebody working in our establishment. So short of the news last night, yet again, we've got to tell thousands of people that they are jobless going into 2021. So, so maybe, not- uh, maybe what I'm asking, Wendy, is that as an association, you're absolutely right. The industry has gone through a, a really a tough time. As an association... How much were you calling out your members who didn't, who, who, who spoiled it for so many? Constantly. So we have a, a representative in KZN. We have a representative in Cape Town. They would personally visit the establishment, have a conversation, understand, deal with the, the complainant and deal with the restauranteur. And at times those representatives both in Cape Town and KZN have called in the authorities. The authorities have also done their raids in the... the um, the, the popular areas, and they found that the restaurants were compliant. So we, Umschlange is one of those areas that was constantly raided. The reports back from those authorities was good. There are obviously isolated 
places and bars and people that did not adhere to social distancing and that did not adhere to any of the regulations. And they have cost the industry. They have cost it for all those beautiful restaurants that do, that have got no backup, that have got no alternative plan other than to keep their dreams alive and keep their people in work. So, so what, what, did, what does calling people out mean? What did you do? Did you, did you expel them? Did you send them to the police? What, what happened? We investigated, obviously, what the situation was, why there wasn't protocols. Some of them could present registers where patrons had said that registers weren't in place. The restaurants could present those, those registers where there were overcounts of numbers. We asked for the number counts to be proved. Mm. Uh, we asked them to please adhere to the regulations that they're going to cost further industry. In some places, authorities have been called in. The authorities did the investigations. They found that the places have been compliant. So these are discussions that we now need to take off and we need to have with the authorities because in an isolated space and only within our industry, and I'm not only saying the fractionality belongs and the responsibility is onerous on us as an industry, there's also a lot of alternative establishments that converted their licenses to trade as restaurants under the auspices of providing food which they didn't do. And we need to have conversations with the liquor board on that, on how those um, Give me an example, Wendy. Um, I don't really want no, to no, no, not names. names, not names, just, just uh, so what would that look like? So, so some establishments and some parts of the hospitality could yes. not trade at this time. Yes. And they converted their, res- their licenses yes. to a restaurant license. Which is it like a, a, are you speaking of, I don't know, like, um, like hotels or Airbnbs? No, is no, it, no, not hotels. Hotels no. are pretty compliant, the Airbnbs, yes. those t- little bistros and coffee shops, it's yes. not that part. So there are parts of the entertainment sector that have been closed. Oh, I see. Manipulated their licenses to accommodate ah. huge amounts of people and crowds of people. Uh-huh. And that is where the complexity has come from because we represent a certain part of the restaurant. And I think when we look at where the irresponsibility came from, it is there are parts of the hospitality trade that have been mm. thrown into the restaurant sector, mm. which it, is yeah. not our responsibility in effect. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because for me, the the sector has become quite broad, and and that's exactly it. You know, who do you call? Who do you hold accountable? Who who is part of your guys? Who's part of your establishment? And as you're saying, some um, adapted this notion of becoming a restaurant, even though they they you know, traditionally they were not. And, and, you know, we we certainly have worked with our members. We have put out good communication. We have encouraged compliance. We've asked them to up their compliance, to sanitize more often. You know, it's hot. Their staff are also tired. The masks are irritating. And to ensure that they they change their shifts and give their staff time to be off the floor and, and, and to be able to also just move through the stage of COVID. We also called that we could be, that, that on-site consumption only be allowed in licensed establishments. So it meant that there wouldn't be this influx of people having underground parties, lock-in parties, excess alcohol. We've seen throughout the holiday season how many youngsters go and put their money together and then go and buy thousands of rands of very cheap alcohol in an attempt to have a house party. Mm. If, if restaurants were the only place, or let me rather rephrase that, licensed establishments were the only place that you could safely and responsibly enjoy alcoholic beverages. We wouldn't be in this position. So, and Wendy, what's the proposal? You, you're saying that you want to engage more, and I understand that. What would be the, the happy medium here? Look, we, we're, a, we're a frail space now, everybody in the country. The numbers are massive. Mm. We have got huge pressure on the infrastructure of the um, hospitals and the staff, and we need to get control. You know, this is 
still going to take many weeks from here onwards. We've got to get everybody home from their holiday destinations. Gauteng is going to be at the peak of all the numbers in the whole country. We've got to go through that to try and get the numbers down. So we all need to play a responsible role. And what has happened now is we've cut the tail ends of everybody's businesses and each part. So we've now restricted the house numbers. We've restricted uh, no public drinking, restricted, although that's always been in place, restricted gatherings, any type of um, functions, any type of events, anybody getting together. These these should have taken place before we went into the holiday season because we are now at decimation. We are now within the industry sitting in a position where we don't know how we're going to trade through till January or February. They are the hardest months in the industry. We haven't heard a word from TERS, so they put us back into lockdown, restricted trading times, no alcohol. We've got to retrench staff. We've got to put staff on short time, and we haven't heard a word about TERS. So, again, we're never in a proactive space with, with government, and the relationship needs to move into a transcendent space where we actually are functional and we're having day-to-day conversations saying, this is what we can do. Work with us and we will create a safe space. If they had listened to us pre the holiday season and we had highlighted that these issues were going to become problematic and be a cause to heighten the numbers, we wouldn't be sitting in this position. So, but but, but, but I'm, what I'm trying to understand, Wendy, is that what would exactly you be proposing? I, I hear everything that you're saying, maybe by way of specifics. What exactly would you propose happens? So if we were not sitting with the numbers heightened like they are and the yeah, panic that yeah, we are, yes. the, the, the logical thing would have been only for custodians of liquor licenses to have dispensed alcohol and nobody to have drank outside of those establishments. That would have controlled the behavior, would have remodeled, remodeled behavior, mm. and rehabilitated people who would drink a bottle instead of a glass within an establishment. You, you know, you made, you made a very important point earlier to say that, well, you know, if there are regulations and then there's no one else to, to hold people accountable and to police it, even after this hard lockdown has passed, you, I guess some of the things that you're proposing are still quite relevant. And that's why I was asking you the question, what as, an, as a body, as an association, have you done? So what, what I'm maybe asking is that how then are we going to hold accountable those transgressors? Because we've seen that policing of those transgressors has not happened. But we need the authorities to work with us. Mm-hmm. So we need to have more regular engagements, more meetings, and understand where their focuses have been. Yeah. Because they certainly haven't controlled the spaces that have been left unattended. And they certainly haven't controlled the spaces where we've had numerous complaints from patrons saying that the establishments are over-counted for and there's no protocols in place. So if they've been reported to the authorities, why hasn't action taken? Why haven't we seen results? Why hasn't there been the revoking of those licenses? Why, if those irresponsible operators have been reported, why has nothing been done? Sure. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, Wendy, because I think uh, all of us are very frustrated and we're trying to see, you know, what's the way forward. I'm going to take some voice notes um, that are, no, we're not going to do that because uh, we've got some problems there. But um, I, I may be pushing you harder because I also recognize the fact that while we wait for some elements of government to get its act together, we suffer. And, and and maybe that's what I'm asking, that maybe there needs to be a different way of looking at this and, and not wait necessarily for government because it's not happening. What are we going to do to make sure that going forward there aren't more lost uh, jobs and so on? Look, the regulations are there. We, we, we operate in probably the most regulated industry of all, more so than shopping centres, than retail outlets, than clothing shops, than any other place. 
And we have supported governments in those regulations. In fact, we were part to put the protocols together. And if those protocols haven't been sufficient, then we need to up those protocols. And where, where do we begin? By receiving the scientific evidence that they claim to have, the statistics that they're holding on to, and the data that allows us as an industry to collectively sit together and understand and unpack on how we can put better mitigation in place that keeps people more safe within our establishments. So for 80% or close on 90% of the, the industry who has been con- compliant, you can just imagine how heartbroken every one of those mm. operators are. Mm. This is their businesses. These are their dreams. These are their families. Mm. They have felt devastation. They have felt hardship on the first level, the second level, the third level, the fourth level, the fifth level of lockdown, and we're back here again. Mm. So and imagine being a compliant person. Yeah. Yeah. In a controlled space yeah. where you're exercising yeah. and you're disciplined, mm. and yet we are punished because people can't behave. So, if With we are regulating taxpayers and we are in a position where we contribute to the GDP and we are employees and we bring vast amounts of people mm. into work, work with us. But by cutting our tails off completely and putting us into a position where it's decimation, how are we ever going to rebuild it from here? Conversations now need to take place again, landlords, banks. We're on our knees to the banks. Please give us overdraft. We mm. need to um, fund our staff. We need to put staff on short time. Two takes four to six months. In fact, sometimes it never gets paid out. Yeah. We've got to talk to the suppliers. We can't get stock uplifted because transportation now with liquor is a problem. It's a problem, yep. Yeah. So, so Wendy, I mean, just help us with the, with the stats there. Is it generally 70% of the profit comes from alcohol? I mean, are we exaggerating that figure? No, the experience within an establishment, people come to an environment to relax to celebrate and to enjoy the experience that a particular establishment has on offer. The combination of food, wine, beer, and alcoholic beverages serve part of it. And we are, we are talking a separation between bars and nightclubs, and yes. we're talking a separation between restaurants and yes. pubs. Yes. And, and, and so what, what, what are the figures? I mean, let's talk about a restaurant, because you represent mostly that. Restaurants, how much of the alcohol contributes to their bottom line? So you look at about 60-40 split in terms of the margin mm. or 70-30. So in terms of the profitability structures, mm. the alcohol gives us the flexibility in order to get the critical mass that we need in order to bring income in to mm-hmm. get cash flow through. So our food margins have actually dropped over lockdown because the food prices have increased so dramatically. Yeah. And we haven't been able to increase our menu because we've been sensitive to the consumer's shortfall on their cash flow. So we've actually reduced menus and brought our food in cheaper and tried to make margin up on the alcohol. And then obviously there's experience of all the different types of alcohol, your wines, your experiences with wines, beers, craft beer, different foods, your gins, your, your whiskies, your, your brandies, your cocktails, um, and various other soft drinks that we, we put into the establishment. So um, do you think it's time to perhaps change that model completely? Is that, is that where we're going, where maybe um, – you know, we all have to understand that for restaurants to, to be sustainable, food needs to increase. I know people don't have money, but is that probably where we're going? You know, it will take years and years to change people's behaviours. You know, we are a sociable society. We like to have our bras. We've got a beautiful landscape, stunning weather. People like to be out. They like to enjoy the relaxation that our environments offer. They like to sit on the pier and they like to be on the promenade and they like to be down on the Camps Bay Boulevard. And that is what life is to us as South Africans. Mm. And we can continue to enjoy it if we work with governments and we have solutions that they feel is beneficial that will take the impact off. So you can perhaps 
you know, add on more stringent measures with drunken driving, zero tolerances for that. Uh, if you get caught in a any type of alcohol-related crime where you land up in hospital induced with alcohol, you pay a fine because if that is where the impact is and you can't behave and you're constantly getting into fights, then penalise the people who are not socially apt. But there are many hundreds and thousands and millions of people that come to our restaurants, that do behave, that, that are courteous, that respect our staff and respect our business and our establishments. Sure, I do hear the frustration in your voice, Wendy. Thank you so much for talking to us. And and yeah, um, I think we'll speak again soon. Hopefully, we'll get that uh, conversation going. Uh, you know, amongst yourselves and government, and maybe some something will give there just to have a happy medium. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Wendy Alberts is the CEO of Restaurant Association of South Africa. It's it's such an important conversation. This and uh, as I said, if you really want to say something and add your voice to it, I'm very happy to take your call. I'm also very happy to take your voice notes on 0614 104 107. Let's take a quick break.